Okay, so I'm having a total moment here. <laughs> I, just, I think the, you know, when you've been through some, some trauma, I suppose, like this last year, and then you get through it, and you've been holding it together, and then you have these moments of realizing such beauty of, of the, some good things in your life. And, and so I'm having one about us and how blessed we are to be in this place and how blessed I am to work at this church. And I am just, it's really powerful. So, so I'm going to hold it together. Um, it's not what I was planning to preach about, so I won't preach about it. But um, this is a very special church, is what I'm trying to say. <laughs> Are you having trouble hearing me? Some of you? Yeah, I know. We're having a little trouble with the sound system. Whew. All right, let's pray. Loving God, you move through our hearts and through old churches like this. and You breathe new life into tired places. For this we are grateful, and this we ask this morning again that you would breathe into the tired places in our own hearts, the places that need a word from you. May we hear it this morning. In Christ's name, amen. So my 16-year-old son has many virtues. <laughs> Patience, the fruit of the spirit we are reflecting upon this week, is not one of them. When he cooks something on the stove, for example, he fails to see why you would turn the flame to low or medium when it gets warmer much faster if you go directly to high heat for anything that you're cooking. And he has ruined a few frying pans at our house this way. And yet, the other night, grilling a sandwich, this did not stop him from applying this technique again. The next thing he knew, the smell of buttered bread, burnt to a crisp, brought him back to the task at hand, and he realized that he would have to start all over. His attempt to save two minutes had cost him ten and stunk up the house. Impatience is something we are all familiar with. Sitting on a hot, crowded airplane, maybe, on a delayed takeoff, or standing in the grocery store in a line that, while others seem to be flowing like rivers, is as serene as a beaver pond, only to change lanes, to watch your old lane begin to move while well, yours grinds to a halt. We feel impatience in our bodies before we feel it or, or think it in our minds, and sometimes it's a mild irritation, and sometimes we want to crawl out of our skin. And we often act without thinking, even though we know, as the Chinese proverb goes, that one moment of patience may ward off great disaster, and one moment of impatience may ruin a whole life. We also know the truth of the Presbyterian proverb that says, people around you are likely to be polite and patient until you sit in their pew. <laughs> Which is to say, we all want to be patient, but we also want what we want when we want it. 
Now, as children, when we wanted something that we couldn't have or thought something was unfair or just simply wanted to refuse that things were the way they were, we threw a temper tantrum. We kicked and screamed at our parents, the lords of our universe. Now, as adults, our fury is directed at something more enigmatic and mysterious like God or the DMV. But the energy is the same. We cry out, how could you do this to me? How dare the world treat me this way? And I know it is not easy to hear, but most of the time, our impatience is rooted in an overestimation of our place in the scheme of things. It is, in a sense, a kind of arrogance. We cannot believe that the world would treat someone like us so disrespectfully. And so we honk our horn in frustration or we snap at the flight attendant. But here's the truth, that when you are standing in line at the grocery store, the universe is not conspiring against you. In that moment, the universe isn't thinking about you at all. You're simply not that important. Now, this isn't to say, though, that impatience is always a bad thing. Especially at a church like ours, sometimes we need more impatience. In 1963, when Martin Luther King Jr. was arrested and put in jail, someone smuggled in a newspaper that contained a call for unity, a statement written by, I am embarrassed to say, eight white pastors that criticized Dr. King and his methods of civil disobedience. In response, Dr. King began to write what became known as Letter from a Birmingham Jail. I want to read a little bit of it to you. I must confess that over the past few years I have been gravely disappointed in the white moderate I have almost reached the regrettable conclusion that the Negro's great stumbling block in his stride toward freedom is not the white citizen counselor or the Ku Klux Klanner, but the white moderate who is more devoted to order than to justice, who prefers a negative peace, which is the absence of tension, to a positive peace, which is the presence of justice, who constantly advises the Negro to wait for a more convenient season. Frankly, I have yet to engage in a direct action campaign that was well-timed in the view of those who have not suffered unduly from the disease of segregation. For years now, I have heard the word wait. It rings in the ear of every Negro with piercing familiarity. This wait has almost always meant never. We have waited for more than 340 years for our constitutional and God-given rights. Perhaps it is easy for those who have never felt the stinging darts of segregation to say, wait. But when you have seen vicious mobs lynch your mothers and fathers at will and drown your sisters and brothers at whim, when you have seen hate-filled policemen curse, kick, 
and even kill your brothers and sisters, when you see the vast majority of your 20 million Negro brothers smothering in an airtight cage of poverty in the midst of an affluent society, when you are harried by day and haunted by night by the fact that you are a Negro living constantly at tiptoe stance, never quite knowing what to expect next, and are plagued with inner fears and outer resentments, when you are forever fighting a degenerating sense of nobodiness, then you will understand why we find it difficult to wait. Dr. King once stood in this very pulpit and he had churches just like Montview in mind when he wrote those words. Lest we forget that patience is not always a virtue. It can be a tool of oppression every bit as powerful as a lynch mob. And as a people of faith, we are sometimes called to embrace a kind of holy impatience. We are to kick and scream. We are to refuse the way the world is. The difference between the kind of impatience that we usually think of and holy impatience is that with the first, we are incensed because our agenda is not being respected. In the latter, we are incensed because God's agenda is not being respected. I think patience the kind of patience that Paul was talking about and called a fruit of the Spirit is about something else than not getting frustrated on an airplane. It is, I think, a kind of maturing in which we become less focused on ourselves and what we are doing and more interested in God and what God is doing in this world. So that we spend more time asking, where do we see God in this moment? How might I embody God in this moment? It's a question of where we're putting our attention. Because when we are focused on ourselves, we get too impatient about the wrong things and not impatient enough about the right things. So the message today is short and sweet. Well, it's not that sweet. Don't get so worked up when things take too long or don't go the way that you want them because most of what you're doing isn't that important. Pay more attention to what God is doing in this world and where you might get a little wholly impatient. I really hope my son hears this sermon. <laughs> Amen.